Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this studio production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and ours, and we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This is Act 1 of The First Nova, one of our studio productions. The studio is where we experiment with new formats, new role-playing games, and new genres of story. In this production, we're playing Galactic, a belonging-outside-belonging game by Riley Rathal, which you can find at metagame.itch.io. You don't need to be caught up on anything else we've produced to jump into the first Nova. In fact, all our productions tell a complete story. So if you enjoy this one and you want to try something else we've done, just find any episode with Act 1 in the title and you'll be able to jump aboard there. Starting now, we'll release a new act of the first Nova every other week, and to keep you going through the weeks in between, we'll release backstage episodes that give you a peek behind the scenes. So stay tuned for one of those next week. In the meantime, please take your seats in the studio. Tonight's production is about to begin. The First Nova a Merely Role Players studio production. Act 1 of 3. Let's meet the cast of this studio production. And let's start with the regulars, uh, who many of you in the audience will have heard before. Hello, Josh. Greetings. Uh, Josh, what's the last thing people will have heard you in on uh, Merely Role Players? You will have heard me playing a 700-year-old witch in a small market town. Uh, I play the role of Ginny Greenteeth in, in Vigil. Yes, we last met Ginny in, uh, in Cold Snap, fighting the Winter King. Next, uh, another regular. Welcome, Strat. Thank you, Matt. I'm very regular. Yep. <laughs> Too much information, right from the start. <laughs> you said you were trying to do this whole get-to-know-the-players thing at the start of the episode, so I thought that was... Yeah. I'll do better next time. What will be the uh, the last time people will have met you on Merely Role Players? I think, because production times are weird, the last <laughs> time will have been Codename Mosaic Ghost Recall, where I was reprising Agent Tanktop in uh, an office meeting, where I claimed that I was real good and seduced a attack hippo for good reasons. Uh, also, uh, playing Briar in Vigil, uh, also in Cold Snap, because nowadays, apparently, I don't do any merely role-playing unless Josh is in it. Ghost Recall <laughs> was some sort of freak accident, I don't know. I miss you when you're not here doing things with me, buddy, that's fine. <laughs> it's, part my con- it's part of my contract with merely role-players. <laughs> Now, a special guest star for this studio production. Welcome to Merely Role Players for the first time, Fiona. Hello. Although you keep saying guest star, I, I feel a guest is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you for having me. Do you want to tell uh, the audience where they might know you from or where else they might be able to find you on the internet? Uh, so I am an improviser, uh, along with a boring office job, which we don't need to go into. But most importantly for this, I am the host of What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, which quite a few members of the team today have actually been on. We played a game of Sleepaway, uh, where we played some summer camp counsellors fighting off some sort of weird thing called the Linworm, which was terrifying. And then we got very emotional at the end. That's what I remember from that. <laughs> it was very intense. It was, it was very intense, but it was an amazing game. I didn't realise how 
how good it was until listening back to it recently. Um, and also, I am the co-host, one of the co-hosts for the DM's Book Club. So that other big RPG that we will not name, the one with the dragons and maybe a few dungeons, I also run a podcast about sort of the books on that. So we take a topic, uh, we read about it, and then we say, this is good, but how can we make it better? And we do that on a weekly thing. So that's the What Am I Rolling podcast and the DM's Book Club. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> So thank you once again for having us on uh, all that time ago. And it's mm. great to have you as a guest here. Excellent. I can't wait to ruin this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. I can't wait. I'm really excited for this game. And finally, uh, joining us for this studio production and introducing a uh, new member of the Melee Role Players cast, uh, welcome Marta. Hello, hello. Salutations. Marta, tell us a little bit about yourself. We are we are theatrical people who play role playing games, so tell us about your theatricalness and your role playing gameness. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you very much for having me. I am just a little bit intimidated by being in the presence of what is essentially D and D podcasting royalty. So you know, be kind. Never. Not no, you. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> thank you for recognising it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, oh, gosh. Well, I'm an actor. I I, I trained as an actor anyways. <laughs> uh, very sort of traditional, boring theatre, like theatre stuff. Um, you know, Shakespeare, Chekhov, all that jazz. Back home in Spain, where I'm from originally. And then I decided to move to the UK for reasons, train some more. And I've been working mostly on, yeah, stage and a few bits and bobs on screen for years and then started dipping my toes in voiceover because I am at heart a nerd. I love video games. I decided voicing video games was a career option that seemed viable and attractive. So I was doing that for a bit. And then the this little uh, thing, a, a pandemic hit. I don't know. Something happened last year. I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, but yeah, it gave me the opportunity to do more stuff on the mic and kind of also rekindle my relationship with tabletop gaming and specifically role-playing games. I used to play them as a child I'm about to age myself in the 90s before it was cool, <laughs> when it was very much the sort of thing weirdo nerds did uh, with their friends. Um, so I did that for many years. I am in like an avid reader of fantasy fiction, specifically The Forgotten Realms, which I think is the one that's most linked to the traditional D&D setting. And then I started playing with friends a little while ago. And it's interesting how now being an actor and having done some improv and all of that kind of fits into the role-playing situation I'm still not new but it's 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 like a rediscovery it's it's pretty fresh for me um so what I did was just yeah start listening to a lot of podcasts and people such as yourselves doing this um having quite a bit of fun and thinking man I wish I could do that too so here we are Time to regret my choices. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this won't be a be careful, be careful what you wish for situation. I hope it can be everything that you hope for and more. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> this is our cast, along with myself, uh, who members of the audience will be familiar with from pretty much all of the seasons. So without further ado, let's blast off into a galaxy many, many light years away and begin our story. The ship Mustang Sally leaves hyperspace in the shadow of the wreck of the starship Trinary Noon. So Strat, the Mustang Sally is your character's ship. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what it looks like? Oh, I've been so focused on the innards, I haven't thought uh -huh. of the outards. Um, <laughs> so I think it's it's pretty, it's it's like old faithful. Um, it's got a large kind of like living come like cargo base. So it's like just a big block. It's not very pretty with two mm. engines poking out the back, but they're clearly different engines and have had to be retrofitted to work together. They probably shouldn't. And if if you don't know what you're doing and you push the thruster a little bit too much or not enough, you just kind of start spinning in a circle because one is slightly more powerful than the other. <laughs> so you really gotta you really gotta know how to fly this thing. But but thankfully there are there are uh, a couple of people on board that that can. So we have we have made it there. 
was probably like a, a pulse cannon on the top. Again, it's been bolted on. Uh, nothing uh, about this ship is probably original. I think this is like the old joke about the broom that you've had, and it's had four different handles and six different brushes, but it's still the same broom. Yeah. That's the ship. <laughs> Can I add the detail that probably before we jumped, we were in some sort of dangerous situation, and so we've probably taken some damage, <laughs> and there's like... <laughs> As we leave hyperspace, we're dealing with failing systems and potential vacuum breaches and that kind of thing. Who's piloting? Yeah, I think considering this was getting out of a tough situation rather than super smart flying, Val probably jumped in the pilot seat and just hit all the buttons Yeah, without much thought. I think at the moment he's probably got one hand on the joystick, really struggling to keep the thing um, going in the right direction and stable. And the other uh, hand is holding like a small fire extinguisher. She's just kind of blindly like flying all around. <laughs> and so, like there's sparks coming from everywhere. I'll just blast everything. Uh, and he's he's yelling at Rusty, his robot. Um, it's like Rusty, everything is on fire. What are you doing? <laughs> So this is this is Val Waldron, the scoundrel. What does Val look like in the pilot seat? <laughs> Val, um, despite the danger, has a huge grin on his face. Uh, this is his idea of fun. He is wearing space jeans, um, which are a, a little bit. If you look close enough, they're they're quite stiff. It's not, <laughs> not entirely sure why. Um, he's got a big kind of like a dark tan coat on with one of those kind of like lighter beige like furry collars puffed up around his neck. And underneath that coat, there are just a pair of braces just pressing against bare, bare flesh because Val doesn't need a shirt. (laughs) They have no use to him in space. (laughs) Uh, Also, um, if you were to look at the the very flappy coat uh, close enough, flapping around as he's waving his arms, you might get a glimpse of purple velvet... (laughs) Um, uh, under one arm attached to the braces holding tight against his breast his one, his best friend Billy the Blaster pistol (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like a really like old fashioned looking blaster like like a classic in the world of the blasters like the Smith and Western of the blaster world in a very modern fancy Velvet holster with gold trim. (laughs) (laughs) And he's yelling uh, at Rusty and loving every second. This is a man who is confident in himself and his fashion choices. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So much. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Esco Triff is also in the cockpit, sitting at the the scopes and the scanners console uh, to try and plot the navigation of the jump that we just did and scan the environment we've just jumped into. Esco is, uh, if you imagine, uh, a humanoid-ish species evolved from velociraptors. So with that uh, saurian-shaped head, uh, scales under magnificent multicolored plumage, bent back legs and four arms, each with uh, three fingers and a thumb. And Esco has a an asymmetrical holographic scanning visor over both eyes, um, and is using that to interface with the console, or would be, uh, except that the cockpit is now full of uh, fire extinguisher, oh, a, no. a, a great the cloud foam. of... Yeah, what is it? Is it foam or is it CO2? It's like foam, right? I think, I think it's foam for electronic fires. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah <laughs> anything with oil and stuff needs so foam. Esco, the poncho that Esco wears uh, over, over his um, shoulders uh, is just getting absolutely soaked in white foam. And he's standing up out of his chair and trying to keep his complex electronics away from the foam. With that and all the sparks and fires, it must be like a foam disco in the cockpit. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god, a foam party! Yes. yes. Um, how is the G situation? Are we in zero G? Is is that I think working? How's the jeans situation. I was like, why are we back to my jeans? <laughs> That's a good question. Do, does this universe have artificial gravity, or are we floating around in this ship? I mean, 
We talk about things failing. It's the first thing that always I, goes. Yes. I, I definitely think this is like, a hodgepodge of a spaceship. So 100%, we don't know at any time. We're like, oh, okay. Sometimes we're just on the ceiling. That's even better. Because what that means is that Val is spraying this fire extinguisher and spinning in his pilot's chair. <laughs> and uh, Esco yep. jumping up out of his seat is now uh, floating towards the ceiling. Val... Watch where you're spraying. I haven't got time for your anything right now. I'm this fire, and I'm gonna hit a big button that's a loudspeaker. I go, Jody. Gravity would be good, Jody. So cut to engineering, where you see someone that sort of would stand up, but now there's no zero gravity. I've been blasted back whilst putting two wires together <laughs> for the jump, and it's sort of like holding it hair, sort of out on all ends, sort of like definitely dirt and soot, uh, but most importantly has neon overalls which are bright and shining. And Jody the shoot is sort of like like slowly but surely makes her way over to compensate. Well I'm fine, thanks for asking Val. God. I don't care about you, I care about the ship. Yes, are we yes. one piece? Are we all gonna die? I don't want to die today. My jeans aren't clean. There's a there's a little robot on the floor that's basically going like, I'm like, yes, yes, sorting it, don't worry. And I'm just like bashing things with a with something out of one of my many pockets, presumably a wrench. And it's like bang, bang, bang. And then one final bang, <laughs> and the gravity returns. <laughs> and we all fall down. <laughs> Thank you, Jody. You're welcome. As that's happening and that conversation is going on, I think the door to engineering opens up and a somewhat stone faced individual floats in holding um, another robot that seems to not be feeling great from the sounds it's making and is like slowly snatching things from the air. A lot of like bric-a-brac, knick-knack, figures, random trash that seems to populate the ship um, in an attempt to um, make the space a bit safer in case when gravity yeah gravity returns it might hit someone or harm someone all this with just the calmest most wide-eyed face you could possibly imagine Um, this would be Revan our lovely defector who um, essentially looks fairly tall trim and clearly fit um, their hair could be interpreted as a fashionable pixie cut, but really it's just the result of um, having had a buzz head most of their lives and having stopped cutting it, and it's sort of growing in tufts all over the place. Um, it is a lovely shade of snow, snowy white, silvery snowy white. Mm-hmm. They have strangely bright chartreuse looking pupil like eyes missing their pupils which is something that it takes a minute to realize when you're looking at them you're like there's something really odd about this person and i can't quite tell like oh their eyes are super creepy okay <laughs> good to know <laughs> um even though their stare is very childlike and generally innocent um they can they can also shift very quickly into dangerous they come in floating happily, grabbing things off the air and holding onto this poor little robot creature. Uh, Jody, mm? is everything okay? Can I help you? I, I feel like... Ooh. Oh, oh, that's gravity back. Good. Yeah. How yeah. may I be Fine. of assistance? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great, great. Oh, you're picking up the stuff. Brilliant. Well, you just just put it back in the boxes. Yeah, you know how Val gets with the, but ah, yes. and, oh, actually, and I'll come over. I'll pick something out like a, a an unknown sort of little rock, and I'm like, perfect. And I've just put it in one of my random pockets. Good. Shall I hold cable for you or a wrench? You know what? Yes, perfect. Here, and I'll unceremoniously hop these two big bits of cable. Just just hold that. Mm. Just if it starts to spark. Think about when you want to let go, because it's very, very vital. Ah. And I start, step away, and I start bashing more things with my <laughs> my wrench. <laughs> and Revan, meanwhile, will be sort of trying to quickly, analytically, in their mind, trying to work out, how do I fix this without Jody really noticing? Um, <gasps> and yeah, that's sort of what's on her mind at the moment. Meanwhile, whilst the chaos and the instability rages like a wildfire 
fire in the rest of the ship, you see a small private cabin, and inside, the smell of scented candles, smells of cinnamon and lavender, uh, the noise of smooth jazz playing on an old vinyl player. Uh, this is the private quarters, of course, of the diplomat, His Excellency Olwyn Callahan the Sixteenth, who sits on his bunk wearing purple silk pyjamas and a burgundy-coloured dressing gown, uh, velour, naturally, just reading casually through a large encyclopaedia uh, of space travel and such, uh, sipping at a space martini very, very delicately and listening to the chaos from beyond the door which leads to the rest of the ship. They just mutter under their breath, uh, well, obviously... There's a sense of chaos outside. I can hear that many more of my, uh, many of the uh, crew members are, are very perturbed right now. Because <laughs> alas, I am busy with my drink. And continues to sip amongst the chaos. Oh dear. Has the, so presumably the, uh, you say the gravity's back on now. Has the shaking uh, subsided? Has the sort of sense of chaos, is it all under control now? Would uh, would Alwyn be able to tell? I think Val's got the ship under control. I think we have, whatever screeching to a halt looks like in space, we have <laughs> screeched. And we are now hanging next to, presumably this, Matt, when you introduce the wreck, it's it's a space wreck. It is a, it is a, a, a the wreck of a spaceship. I'm imagining something much bigger than the Mustang Sally, maybe 200 times bigger. Like this thing is colossal. Maybe something with quite kind of organic lines to it. So lines and curves kind of oh, reminiscent cool. of maybe kind of seaweed kind of shapes mm. um, tapering towards the back. But clearly derelict, clearly long abandoned and clearly quite badly damaged in, in some places. Maybe near the near the aft where the, the thrusters might be. Mm. There are breaches in the hull where a cloud of debris is still orbiting the wreck. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is. In I space. think you could probably tell that this ship was once a grand uh, vessel. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it has the same aura of like I don't know a, a sunken uh, pleasure yacht or a you know a fine cruise <laughs> ship. It's been reclaimed by the wilds of space, but was once a mighty uh, diplomatic vessel. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And having got control of the ship and seeing that there are holes with debris and such. Val is going to point the ship at one of those holes in the hull and without really much thinking, uh, just going to drive in and see what's in there. We've got to where we're going. Um, just going to hit the <laughs> shipwide com as I um, hold on to your boots. Might get a little bit bumpy going in a hole in a big ship. See you on the other side. Val, wait, I'm scanning. <laughs> Scan away, buddy. <laughs> it works while I fly. <laughs> and Revan proceeds to quite literally drop everything and hold on to her boots oh. for a second until she realizes, oh, this is a uh, saying. Yes, right. Sorry. And then picks up everything from the floor and continues to fix the cable. <laughs> I'd like that to be my, uh, my uh, was it, vulnerable move of walking into a situation unprepared. I just want to, after that... <laughs> chaos of a journey i would like us to continue the chaos please and just shove the ship in see what happens i have a vulnerable move to make it even more chaotic excellent yay esco is desperate to scan this vessel esco knew the discovered the coordinates of this wreck uh some time ago but has never actually been here and witnessed Mm -hmm. it with his own two uh eyes and is desperately using the ship equipment and his own scanning visor to try and get you know, model the the ship to try and work out, you know, its origin and its history and what happened to it and why it's been undiscovered for so long. Um, And in concentrating all of that, uh, Esco is going to miss something important. (gasps) There's something else on the scanning instruments that is significant and that I really should have spotted and alerted the crew to, but I'm too busy building my, like, 3D model of this Ooh. exciting ship. There's also foam everywhere, so you can't really blame <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's foam everywhere. <laughs> um, so I think probably what I'm missing is some indication that either we've been bugged or tracked or something along those lines. 
that they, they mm. got a tracker on the ship before we escaped. Definitely. Mm. close behind. Yeah. Right. So I, I think we've got a very small window in which to complete any works that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like we're going to have a struggle getting away as well. Yeah. All right, lovies. It's me, Matt, your compere informing you that for the duration of this production, the bar will be serving all drinks in squeezy bulbs like astronauts have to drink from. While everyone's figuring those out, let's take a look through the programme, shall we? First up, a few of the Merely Role Players cast are going to be playing Dungeons & Dragons on the Sabotage the DM Twitch channel. The game is part of Sabotage the DM's Total Party Knockout series, where a party of heroes face off against seemingly impossible odds. If you're picking up this episode on release day, the 10th of August, you can catch the game live at 7pm British Summer Time, that's UTC plus one, at twitch.tv slash sabotage the DM. Or if you missed the live broadcast, you should still be able to find a playback in the same place. Next up, Natalie Winter, who last appeared as Gwyneth in Vigil Cold Snap, and whose sound designed all three of our Vigil productions so far, has produced some theatre, which you can experience online until the 29th of August. Jam Tart slash Lemon Curd is a double bill of monologues featuring women celebrating new life, love, and learning to see the world differently in their later years. Both stories are packed into a single hour, and if you're a fan of Fleabag or Alan Bennett's Talking Heads, this double bill is basically tailor-made for your tastes. It's available on demand as part of the Camden Fringe Digital Festival from now until the 29th of August, and you'll find a link to it in the programme notes. Last thing before I go call beginners for this next scene, I just want to point you towards this trailer from our friends at Kaiju FM for a film podcast that just released its landmark 200th episode. Then, please return to your seats in the studio for The First Nova. Act 1 of 3. Welcome to The Prestige. My name's Rob. I spent most of my life making movies all over the world. My co-host is Sam. I spent most of his life reading, writing and analysing literature and media. And together, we make a show about movies. Each week, we pick a movie. We go deep on that movie, analysing its themes, its effects. And hopefully bring some fresh takes to it. I bring the technical and Sam brings the theory. We're currently in our fifth season doing a world tour, starting in Chile and working our way all the way round to the southern tip of Africa, exploring lesser known movies and lesser known cultures. Find the prestige wherever you get your podcasts or on Kaiju FM. In terms of what you're imagining the the wreckage to look like, it's obviously in space. We're not on a planet. Is there? Mm-hmm. Are we like out in the open? Is there like a? I don't know. Is there a planet nearby, or is it like one of those asteroid fields? And oh, there's Ooh. a ship in here. Um, yeah, I like the idea of asteroid field because clearly this wrecked somehow. It didn't mm-hmm. just wreck in space. So it must have, maybe that like there was a, some sort of navigation malfunction yeah. and it ended up going like light speed you know into a asteroid field and, and, and it's that. been missing since it wrecked as well nobody found it so there's something about this area of space that stopped people coming across it mm-hmm. i think it, yeah i think it is an asteroid field but it's some there's something else to it this isn't a standard asteroid field right there's mm. something that's that the space between has affected the area whether or not it's got a bermuda triangle-esque sort of lack of communication yeah. whether or not there's a strange aura which could be visual it could it, you know there's like dancing lights like the northern lights mm-hmm. um that sort of pierce and penetrate through the asteroids and wave and cause disorientation and confusion in the immediate area yeah i i was definitely thinking of a dead zone so similar to the bermuda triangle maybe this asteroid field is so large that we actually it's unmapped Currently, there's bits of it that would definitely have been mapped, but certain places haven't. And we, we've triangulated, or thanks to ESCO's sort of knowledge about it, it was here at this spot and using those coordinates. So we currently think we're the only people that have got 
to this place, not aware that someone's but who knows? Up behind us. Yeah. I also feel it might be, at least for Revan, um, once we entered this space after the jump, there was a, a, a vibe, like there was a, a something, like a, like a deep, deeply seated something that they cannot name feeling. Mm. And it was fleeting. It just like came and went and there was no chance to really analyze it or grab onto it um, because of everything that was going on. But yeah, there's definitely something about this place that's Mm -hmm. unique. What does it look like, Josh? (laughs) I wouldn't know. know. As Val pilots in without without (laughs) even doing the most basic of safety scans. (laughs) So I think within the fiction first, I think Olwyn is going to leave uh, his quarters and come up to the deck where Val is um, to sort of gaze out of the, you know, the, the, the front the front window, the pirate's dock, and put his hand uh, on Val's shoulder, and together they will gaze out at the ship. See, I think the moment that we breach and begin to dance our way through the asteroids and past huge chunks of space debris, you get a feeling of there's another worldly nature to this particular part of the asteroid field. It's like stepping into a pool of holy water. It's like everybody feels a rush of cosmic energy, as if we are entering an ancient or sanctimonious place. It's just a shiver that runs up everybody's spines. The, 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 the stars that we see in the distance appear brighter. Everything just seems to be coloured in with a different shade. Esco's feathers fluff up. 100%. Everything seems to settle. Rather strangely, any fires that were still burning on board our ship just seem to extinguish. Any sort of sense of chaos is calmed. Val expertly makes their way with the ship towards the shipwreck, the space shipwreck. <laughs> So that uh, is a move. The move says invoke ore and gain a token. Nice. The space between has a token to spend. Nice. Uh, so this, all this while, Jody has just been going along, just making sure like the engines are okay, because we described them as being two very different, almost like one's more newer than the other, and making sure they're all right. And Vanish like, okay, it's fine. And so leans back and looks down at the scanner, which would have been connected to the one in the bridge. It beeps. We've got company. <laughs> I will take that vulnerable <laughs> move to get one token. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yay. Excellent news. Already? They found us already? Oh, this day just keeps going getting better. Who is it, Jody? Uh, I, it, it's hard to tell. It's big. Whatever it is, it's big. We need to hide or something. Like I don't know how they followed us here. Into, into the wreck. It's the only cover. Agreed. It must be, uh, lest we find ourselves covered with an aura of malaise and uncertainty. <laughs> <laughs> Not really saying I'm still on speakerphone, because, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> right. <laughs> he certainly likes his big words. <laughs> Firstly, Val, I'd like to say uh, you're doing a terrific job. You're just doing fantastic. Uh, I'm fighting for you. Uh, keep up the good work. However, uh, forgive me for any narcissistic tendencies I might be showing here, uh, or for staring into the oblivion, uh, ogling, if you will. But could you could you just get to the point, please? I, this is quite a tricky maneuver I'm attempting yeah. here, and Jody is not here to help. So if you could you get to, get to the ow, goddamn stupid asteroid. Just uh, yes, what was it? Val Waldron, uh, excellent question. I will I will uh, I will uh, come to that. Uh, Please just put your foot down, as I fear that uh, some some uh, individuals oh. are peeved with us, and it would be punch it. Perfunctory must to move. Go, man, go. Slam forward thrusters. Uh, oh no! <laughs> so we're not being delicate about this. We're punching our way in. Yep. Just fell on our asses to put it. I think bluntly. what will happen is I will punch it, and I will, in my excitement, and just been given permission, not that I need it, to punch it, but it's always nice when someone, you know, asks. Uh, the I'll just overcook the engines just a touch, so as we go through the breach in the hull, uh, we'll just spin. You know the moment in, in all uh, Star Wars films where someone goes into the hangar and they bottom out and the, the ship spins around and around and around and around and comes to a bit of a, 
a jerky halt. Just hit the reverse thrusters full as soon as you get in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I'll uh, yeah, just say over the comm, uh, we've arrived. <laughs> uh, I have a question for anybody that's taking over the, the pillar of who's following us. Do, is there a physical form of a spaceship that's following us? Is our foe here? Or do we just have a sense that we are being followed? I mean, it's got to be the mandate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hear about I mean... most of the people who are chasing us. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. okay. Pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I'm in charge of the mandate right now. So it's a big thing. It, although it's big, this is like a like a mid-range battleship that, that the mandate have. This is this isn't like the lunar class planet destroyer thing that that's like the uh the, the flagship of their armada, but this is is kind of a, a mid range thing. So a, a substantial threat, but not this isn't the height of the mandate's power. Um I think it is controlled by uh, a particularly sort of power-hungry commanding officer looking to make their way up through the mandate and has decided that like swift and merciless action is the best way to rise through the, the ranks and, and impress their superior. So that uh, when they find us, and it's probably going to be an if not a when, because they've got mm-hmm. a big ship full of scanners, whatever they're going to do is going to happen fast. Yeah. Sally is like many birds, one stone for them, so... <laughs> are you describing what you're seeing from the cockpit to us in engineering um i don't think that we've seen that like that's the well, we've seen this big unknowable thing on the scanner but that is me as oh, the we mandate don't have a saying yeah no this is this them. is who's out there but we have a yeah. we're in we're inside and hidden we're, we're gonna discover who this is in a bit i, I guess we can't fire okay. up our, our own scanners without giving ourselves away mm, yeah. yeah all we know right now is that i have well, I wouldn't say crash landed. I would say come to an abrupt arboreal halt. <laughs> very scaled, very planned. <laughs> yes, Manoeuvred. I've been been reading uh, the the Alwyn's uh, uh, dictionary there. Um, <laughs> if we're going to be here, we're going to have to be here a short time. We need to get in and out, Professor. What are we looking for? Esco has left the cockpit. Professor, where are you going? Esco is headed back through into the ship uh, to the the hold where uh, Val's collection is held. Val's collection of artifacts and knickknacks and uh, spaceship hood ornaments uh, of various different levels of value to find uh, the artifact that brought Val and Olwyn and Esco together, which uh, Esco was looking for and Olwyn had hired Val to find which is the the key to this wrecked ship's databank. And Esco blinkers on in the grip of wanting to solve a galactic mystery is just grabbing that key and heading down the off-ramp of the ship and following his own schematic that he's kind of building as he goes through his scanning visor to try to find the central data core of this ship. And this is me following my curiosity straight into danger. Uh So whatever I find, it's going to be dangerous in some way. Nice. So I think Revan is going to do a vulnerable move here, which is run from a problem instead of facing it, which is just the whole situation with Jody and everything that's going wrong in the engineering room. What? Um, I think she, um, they would have run off to um, Val's special museum of oddities. Of wonder. You can see it's Break wonderful. Break a brack room, whatever. Break a brack room? <laughs> Trash? This special section of the ship um, just dropped all the random stuff they had been um, collecting during zero gravity and probably seen Esco grab the key and run off I think we to run do in, his own thing. Physically run into oh. each other. <laughs> in yeah, probably bump into each other. Oh, excuse me. Come along, if you're coming. Uh, y- y- may I follow, please? please? Please do, yes. I hope to be of assistance. Uh, yes, um, assistance always appreciated. Yes, and basically 
they have seen this key that everyone was connected by. And it's quite familiar because there is an engraving on this key that is also engraved on Revan's skin in a very non-visible place. So every time she uh, they see it, um, they just have this itch. So you will have seen Revan Ooh. randomly scratching this spot behind, um, sort of low in their neck, right where the back begins sometimes. And you'll think it's maybe like a funny tick or something left over from their previous life. But um, yeah, this key and this symbol and apparently this ship holds something very important for them, although they don't really know what that is. It's like an echo of a very distant memory. Right. That's really cool. Esco heads down the down ramp into the trinary noon, following their holographic map that they're building as they go, holding this key, and every so often looking back to see if Revan is following. Um, They are following at a respectful, very interested, curious distance, whilst also being kind of in um, danger detection mode. (laughs) Because obviously down here we can't really see what's happening with whoever is following us, but we know something is coming. And I just want to make sure that no one shoots through our hull and uh, accidentally blows us up. I don't know how I would fix that, but <laughs> in their mind, Revan's like, I, I would, I would mm-hmm. figure it out. <laughs> Jody gets up again, presumably because our crash landing, Jody was not like tied down by anything. She's like, oh no. <laughs> and then it happened. And so she gets up from the pile and is like, right, and slams the intercom again. It's like, um, Mr. Mr. Val, um, did did you actually pass your spaceship driving test? Because frankly, this is obscene. I can't believe and she's gonna go on and on about how badly that crash landing was like all across the ship. So whilst these two are sort of walking down, you can just hear Jody just like, comp- like, like criticizing every little bit of it, saying, we are on a volatile thing. And frankly, I only said I'd help out in engineering if you needed to. And yet then suddenly, oh, I'm always in engineering. I, I think we need to have a discussion about this sort of thing, Val. Well, uh, sorry, Jody, you, you were on uh, mute there. I didn't, didn't catch that. Yeah, ha, bloody ha, Val. Look, let's just... Look, I say, if we're getting out of this place, let me drive next time, because I can do it much better than you. You're clearly brand new to this, and clearly the stress of the job is getting to you, and I just, you know... Hey, if I I admit, if you want someone to go very carefully and very precisely and very quickly, you are absolutely the pilot I would want. If you have to get very quickly and perhaps recklessly into a, an unknown space wreck or out of something without too much care, then I think I'll keep sitting in this pilot seat but you know what you're doing great job down there i really appreciate it uh now if you don't mind i'm gonna go and look at a real old possibly alien spaceship uh do you want to come uh, yes I'm, come on let's go and then in the she swishes around her her scarf uh, has the chute on it <laughs> and starts making her way like like uh, 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 forever running Owen, you staying with rusty who is a fine conversationalist or are you coming exploring <laughs> I, I fear that a great sense of ennui might overtake me were I to stay here. Uh, a sense of deja vu that I have felt throughout the course of this entire journey. You, don't, you, you, could just, you could just say yes. You can just say yes. Give me 30 seconds to change into something that's a little bit more uh, appropriate so I can become the epitome of uh, professionalism and I will be with you. Uh, I tell you what, just uh, yeah, ca- catch us up. Um, if you just go straight out of the ship and you know straight ahead, you'll, you'll find us. See you in a bit. Your fastidious nature has come to help us all now. Thank you. Olwyn <laughs> goes and gets changed into uh, the uh, mauve and purple um, outfit that diplomats across the galaxy wear. Tidies his hair up slightly, pulling the silver locks back up into a high ponytail. Yes. Um, he puts a pair of dark sunglasses on uh, and begins to make his way off of the spaceship. And as he does, it's the moment that his personal communication device... Uh, Hmm. This is a a small device that only certain people have access to be able to communicate with. uh, Begins to ring. And I think it's going to be Mother. (laughs) All right. Uh Um, Let's name Mother, work out what pillar she's attached to, and give her some traits and moves. Or rather, we've got some traits, right? Because you picked that Mm -hmm. in character creation. 
Yes, the description is my commanding politician mother. <laughs> Which pillar do we think she's attached to, just so we know who's who might play her if you're talking to her? I think that she's now in with the mandate. Okay. <gasps> and she has oh, helped no. coordinate this attack. We know her trait is commanding. Under commanding, there are three possible moves that she can have. We're going to take block someone's path forward and give them a token. Nice. And tower over others, literally or metaphorically, and gain a token. Lovely. And do you have a name in mind, or shall we come up with one together? I do have a name, but I'm welcome to open it up to the floor, whatever's best. I just thought you simply just always referred to her as mother. Mummy, yeah. Mother. <laughs> yeah. Mother. Absolutely. I think she I think she probably does have a name. Um, <laughs> although I would never use it. No. Okay. Uh, and I think that I think that name is Mallory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the rhythm of Mallory Callahan. Yeah. So I guess does Alwyn pick up? Alwyn picks up. Alwyn, you worthless offspring of mine, where on earth are you and what are you doing? I've been trying to get hold of you for months. Everybody's told me you've gone off with some scoundrel, a very handsome one by all sounds of it, but what on earth are you doing sorting with the likes of him? Mother, firstly, let me address your first comment. Uh, yes, very handsome, although slightly dishevelled and not really my type. Secondly, I am at carte blanche to do as I wish with my time off. I'm just exploring and expanding my mind. Uh, you do not get time off for being a Callahan, Alwyn. A Callahan is always, you're always on duty and you're always furthering the betterment of our family. Have I not given you direct orders of what I need from you? Have you not collected the item yet? Uh, mother, forgive my uh, bravado. I will not forgive one damn thing you asked me to, Alwyn, until you provide me with the artefact. Now, have you got a lead on it, or don't you? Mother, uh, forgive my brusque response, but uh, I cannot give you that information. Why? Can't or won't? Mm, both. That makes no sense whatsoever. You and your... Stupid words, I thought you'd be able to use the simpler ones better. <sighs> Mother, you seem to be breaking up at the moment. Uh, is there anything else I can help you with? I'm a very, breaking very busy man. I, I, I fear I don't want to be. Don't want to be clear. I, I do, do apologise. Mm, goodbye, you. goodbye, Mother. And I smash the telecommunication, telecommunication <laughs> device on the floor under my foot. <laughs> I don't think we quite got there, but I was uh, pushing towards a move, which I don't think has happened just yet. I tell you what it could have been, uh, ignoring her and incurring her wrath. I'm going to say that that's one of my vulnerable moves. Act on impulse. Put yourself in a dangerous situation. I've upset mother. Nobody wants to be there in that position. Also going for the towering over you metaphorically to, I believe, gain mother a token. For sure. All right, then hit us, Josh. What sort of danger has Esco led himself and Revan into on this ship? There's no air, there's no gravity. So we've gone out in... Like, this is the space fantasy future, so we don't need full space suits. We can have, like, have little... Yeah, oh, little things that go over your face and then, then in, like, a force field around Star the rest Lord. of your head. Star-Lord style. Yeah. yeah. Those sure. are cool. Just maybe second-hand and not that reliable. Yeah. And maybe Jody oh. had a bit of a play with them, so, you know. <laughs> hey, play with them. They're fixed and they're totally safe. They sure. work better than before. They just don't seem like they should. But interesting enough, you've not tested them before Jody fixed them, so you don't know if they were better before. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any Easter eggs she's left on them, being like, oh, it'll be funny when they click this button thinking it will do one thing and then... It won't. Oh, a thousand percent. They'll be like, if you put them on, they definitely would have, what she would have added was like some sort of surround sound. Uh, so it'd be lo-fi beats as you put them on and then you're like, Christ, how am I going to turn this off? Oh, like no. using, yeah. Lo-fi beats to explore to. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so own playlist just put in. But then you have to use your eyes to like, you know, it's like, again, like Minority Report, it sort of comes up like mm. Jarvis. You have to use your eyes and your, your, your face to indicate and use the function. So it's very odd. Like, it's like, you know, where you use... You know, old-fashioned video games where you have to, where you look is where you walk. It's a bit mm, like nice. that in, in the helmet. And and 
Esco's got his visor HUD as well. So Esco's almost not even paying attention to what his surroundings actually look like. He's just following like a ping on his hologram. Ah. So it's really only Revan who can actually see the surroundings properly. Yeah. So we brought in Mr. Mandate ship. Mm-hmm. And we were saying that something swift and sudden was going to happen once we got in. So I am going to put someone in immediate danger and give them a token. I'm going to put uh, Revan in immediate danger um, only because they're paying attention. Mm. So they're the one that's going to see this. Uh, Esco, I guess, is going to also be the danger. But um, what happened is uh, the, the ship's kind of, of scanned and found us and three like uh, jetpack wearing advanced scout troopers uh, mandate troopers are going to uh, fall down and land between Esco and Revan This has been The First Nova, a studio production from Merely Roleplayers, starring Matt Boothman as Esco Triff, Josh Yard as Olwyn Callahan the 16th, and Strat as Val Waldron, guest starring Fiona Howitt as Jodie Shute, and introducing Marta da Silva as Revan. The theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst, and the episode was edited and produced by Matt Boothman. We were playing Galactic, a role-playing game by Riley Rathal. You can find Galactic and many other fine games at metagame.itch.io. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. well at getting through my diplomatic dictionary i love it i absolutely love it are you keeping a tick next to each one you manage i'm just deleting the ones i've done oh no you gotta get a tick for full house that's what yeah that's that's a good point just do like a a big impassioned speech monologue at the end